Hi, I'd like to welcome you to the Crucible of Thought podcast. I'm Brandon, and I'm here to share things that interest me and things that I think the Lord has brought to my attention. This is episode number 85, and it's titled, There is Joy in Disconnection. My last podcast was a bit of a downer, to say the least. If you haven't listened to it, you probably should, just to put some context on this one. In a nutshell, I described how I realized I'd felt significantly betrayed by a number of institutions that gave me most of my personal identity for the majority of my life. One might walk away from that accounting with the idea that I'm pretty sour on God or religion or politics. At a surface level, that may be true, but it really depends on how you define those terms. And it's really not true in many ways, so I wanted to recontextualize some things. Because despite feeling really unhappy about those institutions, I'm actually internally feeling far more free and joyful than I've felt in years, even at the same time as I can see clearly the problems around me for the first time. So let's start by talking about politics, because uh, in some ways it's probably far easier than religion. For as long as I can remember, I felt fairly obligated to be a party-line voter for Republican candidates. From my earliest years as a voter, I have a sense that my church contexts all universally promoted the idea, at least implicitly, that there was no way a righteous person could vote for a Democrat candidate. I spent a fair amount of emotional energy over the years trying to shoehorn myself into mentally assenting with a number of issues that I wasn't sure I really agreed with the Republican candidates about. I didn't really see any alternative than convincing myself that those positions were right, even though my intellectual understanding differed in several key areas. At times, I think I felt slightly trapped. It wasn't about winning anyone else's approval, because at least we do have secret ballots, but my sense of integrity wouldn't let me vote against the party, but it also wouldn't let me feel good about it. This problem ramped up for a few years before I started down a deconstruction and reconstruction pathway in 2021. Looking back, I see how I was very uncomfortable with many things, but felt no options. In particular, the 2016 selection of Donald Trump as the Republican candidate was unsettling to me. I really wanted some other candidate to win for moral reasons, given the obvious faults in Trump's character. But once he was nominated, there was no way for me to do other than vote for him. At that point, it was a vote against Hillary more than for him. I proclaimed a lot of party-line things, like, quote, we need a disruption in Washington, he's an outsider who will clear out the swamp. But I don't think I was ever really happy about it. Hitting 2020 really began to tear at my political foundations, however. Whatever peace I'd made with myself about Trump and his politics began to fade very rapidly, especially in the last half of 2020, as I became increasingly aware of what was really wrong with right-wing politics. I voted for Trump a second time, more out of a sense of disruption than anything else. But I was deeply unhappy about it, and January 6, 2021 tipped me permanently and completely over the line politically. Last fall, I removed myself from Republican Party roles and am, at the moment, an independent. Since then, I've felt an amazing freedom to explore each political issue without any sense of obligation or responsibility to either party. I'm completely free to assess them for how well they line up with my own moral and religious understanding, 
how I think they'll affect our society for good or bad and make my own decision without being tied to a party line that is telling me how I must vote. It's remarkably freeing, although it comes with a steep price of needing me to examine each issue carefully to decide for my own self where I need to stand on it. And it's also freeing because I no longer have to justify that decision to anyone else who may or may not be happy with the choice I'm making. In particular, I no longer feel any need to justify my political understanding to parents or family or former church friends. I'm unashamed to tell them what I truly feel, and if they don't agree with me, to walk away without trying to make them feel good about my choices. I truly don't care if they like my politics, and in fact, since I fully expect that most of them will disagree with me, I'm neither surprised or disappointed when I do get that disagreement. It's just a nearly preordained fact of life, and so I'm free from getting emotionally fraught by their disappointment. Now, let's talk about religion for a moment. I'll start by saying that this is different than talking about God. I use the word religion to mean the set of organized practices and beliefs and systems that mediate and moderate our relationship with deity. It's the orthodoxy and the orthopraxy, the right beliefs and the right practices, that define how we're supposed to think and behave. It's very much not about God themselves. It's about our human reaction to God. In my deep sense of utter betrayal by evangelical Christianity, I find a deep peace to completely walk away from most aspects of religion. Not that I avoid them, but that I find I no longer have a requirement to tie myself to them. It's not a rejection of God, it's a rejection of the human things that other humans use to define my relationship with God. At the core, then, my current relationship with religion is a rejection of other people's right to define and judge my relationship with God by their standards or by their understanding of the Bible's standards. For literally 45 or more years, I was subject to scrutiny by first my parents and then my classmates and my peers and then by various pastors and religious leaders who had the right and responsibility to keep me honest and shepherd my soul. Their opinions of my spiritual condition were, in large measure, practically much more important than God's opinion. In fact, my sense of God's opinion was moderated by their opinion. If I was assessed by my peers or elders as deficient in God's view, well, my own internal sense was irrelevant. At the core, This amounted to surrendering the Holy Spirit's own witness in my heart to the fallible humans around me, who couldn't really tell what was going on inside me to actually make that assessment. Okay, well, one might rightly ask, isn't this setting myself up as sole judge of my own character and making God in my own image? That's a fair question, but at the core, I now have a deep-seated trust in the Holy Spirit's hand on my heart and my soul and my life, And God has my existing and continuing and very explicit permission to reframe my understanding as God sees fit. God has my yes, and God knows that. So I have a deep faith that if I am misguided, God will correct that in due time, and I don't need to spend a moment of my mental energy on wondering if other people's uninformed judgment about me is something that needs my worry. Am I therefore unaccountable before men? No, it's just that I've transferred that authority from my parents and any people around me who who don't truly know me at extremely deep levels to those few people in my life who are walking a similar journey with me. This, again, just like the politics, 
comes with a strong knowledge and a complete acceptance that most of my family and friends from prior religious expressions are deeply disappointed in my current religious choices. And given that I fully accepted that, it has no emotional hold on me. I truly wish they could join me, and if there's any disappointment in me, it's not with myself for disappointing them, but instead it's a wistful disappointment that they cannot join me in this sense of freedom. Finally, let's talk about God. I'm not going to lie or even hedge the truth here. This entire process is horribly hard to go through because being forced, and being forced by myself, I might add, to rearrange every single cinder block in my spiritual foundation is incredibly disconcerting and painful. I'd far prefer to just stick with what I'd already decided was true years ago. It would be far easier and simpler to just keep reciting the old doctrines and dogmas. But I should say this. For the last decade or so before I began deconstructing my faith and my understanding of God, I was already highly uncomfortable. I kept at the inherited traditions and practices of religious activity, and I could and did say all the right things about what I believed, but in truth I was already becoming quite uncomfortable on many different fronts about those things. I was also good at denying that to myself. But looking back without any reason to lie to myself any longer, I can see that I wasn't being true to what I really felt. I was building up many layers of self-denial to maintain an intellectual position about God that didn't match what my heart was saying. A big part of that was beginning to discover the real meaning of grace and a strong sense of God's acceptance of me and love for me that had nothing whatsoever to do with how I behaved or misbehaved. I began to understand that the internal negative reactions to my own failures were far more potent in my life than God's own reactions to me. And I began, perhaps a decade ago, to slowly and carefully change my thinking to disallow those things to derail my relationship with God. I often sensed God's pleasure with me that refused to be disrupted by my imperfections. And contrary to giving me permission to behave however I wanted or to sin with impunity, I think it began to drive me closer to God's pure and righteous center. So although on the surface it sounds like I was refusing to feel shame at some sin in my life, and so I would be judged as walking away from a right relationship, it actually had the opposite effect. So in the last couple years of this deconstruction and reconstruction, in setting aside every other human's rights to judge my own personal relationship with God, I've found a joyful freedom to let God have the first, the only, and the final say in our relationship. And again, just like the politics and the religion, perhaps even more so because of how we Christians have been trained to sniff out the slightest hint of heresy or apostasy in fellow believers and then judge them unrighteous and call them to repent. Just like the politics and religion, I'm keenly aware that my changing relationship with God is vexing to many who have known me for years. And, just like the politics and religion, because I've already grasped that displeasure and I've shrugged it off as none of their business or responsibility, I'm unaffected and I'm completely free to pursue what God is putting in front of me. When God requires me to address yet another dogma or doctrine that conflicts with my inherited understanding of God's character and nature and relationship with me, and when I realize that I simply must change my position, 
I'm free to quickly repent without a moment's concern for how others will like or dislike that change. So, how long will this last? Is it only a phase I'm going through? Will I ever again enter a season where I crave that relationship-centered politics and religion where I derive my sense of self-worth from other people's opinions? Probably not. In fact, I really hope not. While I don't see it as sinful per se, I do see it as immature. I have a hard time imagining that changing, at least anytime soon. I believe, instead, that the relationships that matter to me will be with people who, like me, are truly self-confident in their own relationships with truth and with the truth, and who don't need my own approval any more than I need theirs. In fact, I suspect I'll be repelled by anyone who tries to take those roles in my life so that they can feel good about me. The ones who I do enter into and remain in relationship with will be those who celebrate my own walk and offer their support rather than demand a vote. In some sense, it occurs to me that it will be a relationship of peers rather than subordinates. I'll have no desire to control or manage them, and they'll have none over me. And that strikes me as the most mature kind of relationship possible. So, no, I don't think this will be a short part of my deconstruction. So then, to summarize, in each of these critical areas of politics and religion and God, I've come to discover a very deep and relaxing freedom from being controlled or motivated by the opinions of other people. And with that, a deep joy in moving into a phase of my own life where I feel finally able to truly learn and grow so fast sometimes that it takes my breath away. I may be wrestling with the trauma of being so deeply betrayed for so many years, but that does not define me, and in the grand scheme of things, it'll be a fleeting phase of my life that I'm convinced will be instead characterized by growth and an upwards trend towards the person I was meant to be and that I'd been stunted for too many years. So I rejoice in the new direction God has me moving because for the first time in many years, I can sense the overall thrust of God's plan and I have a sense that I'm finally on it. I appreciate your time listening to this and unlike the last episode, this time, I really do invite you to join me on this particular part of my journey because I seriously think it's the direction that we're all meant to go. And if you join me, you'll discover what God has for you too, and you'll discover that it's far bigger or grander than anything you previously have considered. So again, thanks, and we'll talk again soon.